0: Welcome to episode number 93, The Miracle of Abigail. Over the last couple of weeks, I have asked for those individuals who would like to tell me their stories to contact me. The first of these contacts was a wonderful young woman whose life has been and continues to be full of miraculous situations and heavenly intervention. Abby wouldn't be someone you would call average. She has experienced more of life than most of us do our entire lives and has experienced miracles As she puts it, of biblical proportions. Today is her story and the life of miracles she has experienced, and her battle with those forces that sometimes invade our miracle moments. Before we go too far today, as always, if you have enjoyed these episodes and would like to share your story, you can contact me at dtsocha at gmail.com. And of course, if you don't want to share your story, but do enjoy these podcasts, then simply refer these podcasts to a friend or a group. Now, on to Abby's story. Today, I'm going to begin with the end insight. Abby, a wonderful example of perseverance and endurance against those sometimes unfortunate events that seem so easily to invade our lives. Abby's story definitely has miraculous elements to it, and often we marvel at those signatory moments in our lives where it appears that Heaven has intervened to keep us here on the earth. But her story is so much more than the miracle of or the moment of the miracle. Yes, Abby is still here on the earth, and heaven has intervened often to keep her here. But miracles are strange events, especially for those who experience them. From the outside, we often do not see the mountainous effort it can take for miracles to come full circle. We certainly do not think that we might have to overcome not just physical burdens, but mental ones, for our miracle to be complete. But that is what is most interesting about Abby's miraculous life. Not the actual moment of the miracle, but the effort required on her part to overcome. Abby's life was not unusual in any way, in the sense that somehow Lucifer picked her out of the crowd and decided that her trials needed to be far more difficult than our own. I am sure, or I am not sure, exactly how the Lord decides what types of trials we need and what types of experience medicine, I have that in quotes, makes the most sense for us. In Abby's case, it seems that a little bit of that experience medicine was called for. As a young girl, she was hit by moving cars twice, once without harm, at least physically, and the second with a broken leg. Each time, a vehicle decided that the school bus lights did not pertain to them. Later, as a teenager, she had decided to run a marathon, and after training for a period of time, the training ended by finding out that she had cancer and had to have a very large tumor removed from her body. The tumor was actually 22 pounds and two feet wide. Now, after the cancer treatment and recovery, and of course, several months of relative peace and a mission call, Abby had an even more difficult experience than cancer. While hiking, she fell 50 feet to the bottom of a waterfall, breaking her skull. Recovering her from the bottom of the waterfall took a couple of hours due to the remote location, but part of the miracle was that she landed in a small, small, shallow pool of water that was cold enough to keep her brain from swelling, but shallow enough to keep her from drowning. This occurrence, that some might just call coincidental, allowed for one of those unique spiritual moments – In her words, she was given a choice, to return to mortality or to move on to the spirit paradise. Obviously, she chose mortality, but her reasons for doing so were motivated by family rather than fear. She didn't fear death, but was very concerned about the impacts her death would have on her family and her siblings. Her love for them actually caused her desire to return. Now, one might think that Abby's miraculously recovered from her fall, and she did, but we often leave miracles at the point of the first intervention where she didn't die from the fall and was rescued. There's so much more to her miracle than most of us rarely think about or see unless we've experienced it. When Abby awoke from her coma, she could no longer talk or move or eat and had to relearn how to do those simple things we just don't think about any longer. She has also had several surgeries related to the fall, and her recovery is in some ways ongoing. Now, this podcast is not about physical injuries, and so Abby's story is not just about miraculously overcoming difficult odds and doing difficult things in her life. Her story is about doing so when mental illness invades that recovery and adds a supreme layer of difficulty. Traumatic brain injury has long been associated with the loss and recovery of bodily functions, But what is less well known is that serious injury to the brain can and does increase the likelihood of bipolar disorder by almost 30 times. Yes, anxiety and depression can and do occur at the same rates for head injuries. Even with a mild concussion, people are almost three to four times as likely to experience persistent mental illness. And the mental illness does not have to occur right after the injury. It can take up to a decade to appear, although it does typically appear sooner. With a brain injury, it can be very difficult to adjust to the new functionality of the brain and the persistent problems with body function. But what most individuals do not realize is that the battle against mental illness, including bipolar, PTSD, depression, and anxiety, is almost always more difficult and persistent than the physical rehabilitation. Most individuals who have a serious brain injury will battle mental illness for a good portion of their life after the injury. For some, the illness tends to fade with time and healing, but for many, it is their new reality. Now, Abby's family has never known mental illness. Why is that important? It is because she does not have a genetic component to her illness, at least one that can be found. It is a foreign concept to them as a family, although Abby's father and mother seem to be more perceptive than most who have never dealt with mental illness. One of the unique things about Abby's story That is so important to our podcast is that sometimes physical trauma causes mental illness when there exists little to no predisposition meaning that you don't have to possess a genetic risk factor for mental illness to assault your recovery efforts in abby's case not only did she deal with bipolar but a mixture of mental illness she also deals with sad which is an acronym for seasonal affective disorder the disorder deals with decreasing light during winter time frames. It is a depression-like state that generally occurs in areas where there is significant rain during the winter season or fog, such as Seattle, or where there is, where light is limited during winter, such as Alaska, although you do not have to live in Alaska, Seattle, or any particular place to feel the disorder. Now, often where we find one mental illness, others are just lingering around the corner many people deal with more than one mental illness at a time, and such is the case for Abby, and this can be especially true with a brain injury. Now, after Abby's injury and during the physical recovery, there were many moments of discouragement and doubt. Relearning basic functions of the body is just plain tough on the mind, and frequently depression is a common occurrence. In Abby's case, the depression was the most noticeable symptom, and as is as is actually the case in almost all bipolar discoveries. From her story, Abby stated that she mentioned to her father about how she was feeling. Depressed, of course, and he stated that she should probably see a professional. Now, I wanted to pause right here for a moment to note how rare what her father did really is. For a parent who has never seen, dealt with, or experienced mental illness, to instruct a child or help a child, that professional help might be necessary is very uncommon. And while they don't keep statistics of such things, my guess would be that this type of perceptive behavior falls into the less than 1% category. Someone who has never experienced mental illness is unlikely to ever consider counseling for it, even when it occurs within someone who is close to them. Now, Abby did seek out this professional help, and this is where her story takes a turn that is incredibly important to understand about mental illness. Abby's initial diagnosis was depression. Not unusual for those who suffer with bipolar. The psychiatrist started her on an antidepressant. The antidepressant did not work as expected. In fact, it worked to cause suicidal thoughts for the first time in years. She felt terrible for the next six weeks, even getting to the point of self-harm and serious suicidal thoughts. For some people, certain antidepressants have a reverse effect upon the mind and actually cause an increase in suicidal thoughts, Now, after she noted this to the doctor, the medication was quickly changed to another antidepressant, unfortunately with the same results. Now, you might think that most of us would give up at this point, but this is where professional help really does work. The psychiatrist continued counseling and probing to find out what Abby was experiencing, eventually coming to the conclusion that Abby had bipolar disorder. At this point, the medications were changed and focused towards bipolar and although it took a little while to find the perfect prescriptions, she has been doing much better with the medications. The point of all this effort and trial and error is that Abby eventually got a medication that made the difference in her life. I had somewhat of a similar experience with my bipolar disorder diagnosis. Like Abby, I struggled a little with the idea of bipolar because I simply had been far too focused on the depression and anxiety. But with a good diagnosis medications can be found that work for one's individual chemistry. This was the case for Abby and myself, and it is not uncommon at all for medications not to work on the first or second trial. As much as we would not like to admit it, our healthcare system in our time is more practice, meaning trial and error, than perfection. This is especially true when the illness has no true method of identifying the exact cause or even the exact illness. There are no markers in the blood that say, I have depression or bipolar or anxiety. There are no keywords that we would state, that I would even specifically state, that would say I have problems with one or the other. And sometimes with bipolar, the mania side can be so weak that the illness is difficult to diagnose. What I personally loved about Abby's story is her willingness to work through the medications and listen to the professional helping her. So many times we give up uh, we give up because the first or second medication didn't work and even made things worse. So many times we give up on medications that actually do work because all of a sudden we're feeling better. And far too many times we avoid counseling because of the stigma associated with it. If we were to look at healthcare care more as practice than perfection and are willing to work with the doctor, so many times our outcomes would be far better than they are. Now, Abby's miracle would not have been complete without the work she put in, relearning to walk, talk, eat, and live. But it also would not have been complete without her perseverance in the world of mental illness. I have said this before. There is no shame in a mental illness. It is not a matter of a lack of emotional control or some type of punishment for sin. It is an illness. And it comes about due to either a predisposition, the circumstances in our lives, or both. Now, when you ask Abby about her testimony, she is quick to say that she has always believed. She has always been seriously concerned about the truth and her salvation, even when she was young. Abby has a strong testimony of the gospel and of the Savior, but even with that strong testimony, when mental illness struck her world, church was difficult in many respects, and she, like many of us, took some time to adjust to her illness. This meant that sometimes she did not attend all of church or any of church. Reading also has been difficult for her since the accident because of issues with vision. And she says that prayer is most often where she feels those spiritual moments now. What I heard when she said this was that the Lord, knowing how difficult things were for her in her mortal body, found the best way to communicate with her and where she would feel those things that she needed most. Now, Abby is still working on her miracle and even faces an upcoming surgery as part of that process. She is as spiritual as anyone I have met, and as part of what she has experienced in life, has a deep concern for others and their suffering. What is most important about Abby's story is not the physical miracle that has occurred, but that she has been able to endure it while battling the terrible forces of mental illness. To me, her struggle with mental illness while dealing with serious physical concerns is the greater miracle, and demonstrates just how much our Father in Heaven is willing to help us through these deep moments of despair and grief, and to come out on the other side, far more spiritually defined and resolute. As Abby and I talked, she, she spoke a great deal about the feeling of hope. She felt that hope was the guiding factor in many of her outcomes and miracles. With hope, all things are possible, and Abby fully believes this. One of the many things she has learned about the experience, the experience is that hope is powerful, and that just a little hope and the knowledge that the Lord is in control can make all the difference when you face the powerful headwinds of recovery, physically and mentally. The Lord speaks of hope as one of the three pillars of the gospel, of gospel development and testimony. The Lord states that faith, hope, and charity are the th- really the three pillars of celestial living. It is interesting, as you read about these three gifts in Moroni 7 and the spiritual attributes, the Lord indicates that one cannot exist without the others. You cannot have true charity without hope and faith. You cannot have faith without hope. When Abby spoke about hope, you could feel the testimony that her trials have brought, that the trials have brought to her. And just how much she truly trusts the Lord and how deep her hope runs. Now Abby is not gonna tell you that she's perfect. And she is not going to say that she doesn't struggle from time to time. That's simply part of her story And it's probably not just her story. It is in the struggle where we become who we were foreordained to be. With each struggle, small and large, we feel more deeply, love more truly, and hope for greater things to come. Now, Abby, I have appreciated you sharing your story with me and this audience. And I hope that the audience and I have learned as much as you have, although I doubt it. Until next week... May you do your part so that the Lord can do his.